Good evening, everybody. Um, thank Yo. you for coming out. Uh, you guys look amazing. Silverback so uh, Chronicles podcast is everything to us. It's how we enforce in the streets. It's how we police in the streets. The biggest thing was about respect for us and, you know, applying that to the community. You know, when you come from the inner city, when you cut from that cloth, it's easy to build that rapport with the people. And it's about the people. It's not about us, but it's about them, providing a service that they can understand and live with and love. So that's what we wanted to bring to the table. But I appreciate you guys coming out, and uh, we're going to have a good time. Thank you for showing up. And let's, uh, it's time to cook. Let's get it. What up, Jay? Um, I think at this moment it's appropriate for us to take, let's take a moment and bow our heads for Silverback that we lost, uh, Craig Chandler, please. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you. Amen. Bro, we miss you. Um, Craig was a special, special, special guy. Some of us, you know, in the room met him, but he was a definition of a silverback, you know? Took care of his troops, took care of his fellow group, and uh, we miss you. Yeah. Every day. Every day. I'm Dre from the Bronx, born and raised, came out here. Uh, what led me to, to the badge was, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm playing basketball in the Bronx. Drug dealers bought us the rim. We didn't know that there was an actual undercover uh, operation being be, be in place. Things went sideways, we hear gunshots. The gunshots happened. Uh, I had a, my godfather, may he rest in peace, he was NYPD. He told me when you hear gunshots, you hit the floor. That day I had my little brother, so I grab him and we hit the alley. In the alley, I'm on the floor, right? My brother didn't listen to me. He's standing in the doorway because he's a skinny kid, short, standing in the doorway. I'm on the ground and I look up and now there's a gun to my face. But behind me was the undercover cop that I never knew was there and shot and did whatever he did. He looked at me after the assailant was down. He looked at me and said, you good? And I'm like. <laughs> I guess. I'm like, I'm like, yo. Right. I'm like, where's Mel Gibson? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just eat the weapon. Anyway, he ran up the stairs and handled business. And at that moment, I was like, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen. That's what I'm going to do. So that's what led me to the badge down here in Baltimore, in the great city of Baltimore, you know? Well, you know, I'm Big H, I'm Ralph. Um, I'm from New York. I'm from Long Island, New York, uh, born and raised. Uh, I had both parents, of course, single, uh, just me and my mother. My father's here, that's like my best friend. But um, what made me want to get started in law enforcement was I played football since I was seven years old. I played a little bit professionally in the arena league. But before I got there in college, my coach told me one thing. He's like, you know, I understand you got dream, dreams and aspirations on going to the NFL, the professional level. He said, but my job is to make sure that you're a professional at the end of the day, and what are you going to do if that doesn't work? So that resonated with me, and I, like, ever since that day, I was like, wow, he's right, he's got a point. So growing up, I've always saw the good police, I saw the bad police. I saw the good police that would commend you for doing a good job. I saw the bad police where they would treat you ignorant and treat you like trash, and, you know, it just didn't sit well with me because I don't like bullies, never have. Father always told me, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. And when you speak to a man, you look him in his eyes, you give him a firm hand grip. 
So being real, being genuine, that's all I'm about. I love helping people. And with that being said, you know, I developed that passion and it led me to Baltimore. And I never look back. So I've been here, we've we both been on going on 11 years. And uh, we love what we do, it's our passion, we live it. And uh, it was time for the world to know and understand that there are real police out here. And we do the job every day, all day. You know, a lot of us don't make it after retirement and that's a sad thing and it's unfortunate. But we're gonna get in a little bit of that later. But that's main reason why I got on the job and we're gonna get into the, pod, the podcast in a minute. <laughs> so what this, guy, this guy has a way with words, I'm telling you. Well, you know. <laughs> um, well, let us hear. So here we are, right? Silverbacks. First and foremost, silverbacks, 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 silverbacks. Um, to us, we take care of our own. Silverback over there, my, my swing smothers. Know what I mean? <laughs> um, I get into a car accident real quick, right? I came from the Northeast with these guys, and then I get into another unit where we took care of each other. Zeke is back there, G, uh, Bill. Now I'm downtown to speed things up. I'm leaving work. Um, I get called in early for a shooting. Turns out a little girl gets shot. We get there, it was a BB gun. I do my shift, and now Towards, the, towards the, around 8 o'clock at night, another person gets shot um, pretty bad. It leads us to 4 in the morning. 4 in the morning, I'm driving home. It's, I'm looking forward to my first day off in like two weeks, right? I get hit by a car. The car destroyed me. The engine crushed my foot. I get uh, whisked away in the hospital, recover. I'm sitting back, and I'm missing my guys. These guys came to see me, right? Troop mentality. I said, you know what? This, this is something we gotta do, right? I almost lost my life twice in the hospital. Got infected, um, almost died on the table. I hate talking about it. But I said, you know what? If, if I can make it out of here, we're gonna do something crazy. And it'll be a tribute to the police officers, to the first responders, to the firemen, to the people that put their to the people that go, when everybody else is running away, we go and we put ourselves in front of strangers. See what I'm saying? So, of course, he was my partner for the last six, seven years in the Northeast, along with them. But we rode together all the day. You know, seeing he rode with multiple different people, same thing with Bo, same thing with Smothers. But um, H and I, we have something special, you know? We were both from New York, and we just, we got each other. So I'm hurt, back to being hurt. I'm hurt, I'm like, let's do something. I call up H, I'm like, yo, let's do a podcast. Because my brother out in Silicon Valley will always be like, uh, let's tell me stories, tell me stories. I'm like, no, I want to know what's going on in Silicon Valley. Right? Call H, call Triple C, and here we are. The logo, right? It's a gentleman. He's in a suit, but it's a face of a gorilla. When we police, we always present ourselves as gentlemen, hence the uniform. We never want the animal to come inside, to come outside, excuse me. And um, he's in a top hat, 
He's a gentleman. It's probably one of the baddest logos I've ever seen. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fine. But that's 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 why we're here. Um, Silverback, we started this years ago on patrol. Uh, myself, Dre, Dosine, Dosine, which is right here, this gentleman. <laughs> Dosine, he was like our our OIC, officer in charge. Mastermind. He's the mastermind. So it's, it's whenever you get to Northeast District, even majors, they go see this man. Because he knows he can run the district by himself, and he's just an officer. You got lieutenants. You got captains that go to those scenes. It's just fact. It is what it is. So we policed ourselves so well, and we worked out so much. Even after shift, we would work out in the parking lot, go run, work the target mitts, bolt, uh, smothers. There's a whole bunch of us, Donato, Angelo, and it was, uh, who else? It was like 10, 15 of us. Moody. Yeah, Moody Crystal. Of course. But uh, it was, we was like a family. So that's when the Silverbacks originated, because we used to call ourselves that, because we policed ourselves, and we all was aligned together in how we view ourselves, how we demanded respect, how we carried ourselves. So that's how it originally began. But when me and Dre met, we started riding together. And of course, Sector 1, it's a huge part of the Northeast District. So it's a certain side where we go by units, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So Docine and, and Smothers, Docine was the, the main guy. Like both, they was, they was always on the side we call the chum. It's, on the, it's like a, big, a huge golf course in the middle, and there's another side of the land where they got a police. But sector one, we got to police both sides. So it was mainly me and Dre on the other side because we was mainly 13 and 15. So we had to patrol a large piece of land on that side. So we was always together. We always always riding together. Even when they told us you can't ride together, we'll put a patrol car, which is called the ghost car. We would put that on like one of the main blocks where the businesses were. Hey, yo, but who okayed it? Docino okayed it. <laughs> so whenever a command was like, why they, where's this car? Who's supposed to be in this car? Don't see him, like, he'll call us. Listen, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. Keep doing what you're doing. So, and you know, with that being said, we rode together every day, every day. Even when they said don't ride together, we still rode together. There was no crime, and if there was crime, we nipped it in the bud and we took care of it the way we supposed to. You hone in on your skill set when you're in the streets, and you know, it takes a while to build that. And uh, we just love what we do. And um, we had to, this is paramount to, what we do, the world needs to know what police really are. In general, we care about everybody's well-being. And uh, we're changing that stigma, we're changing that landscape of policing. Shout out to all the great detective minds, and there's a special sergeant back there that's my guy right there, I love you. But um, a quick story, right? Remember that time we was in the, in the, uh, the other side of the- uh... The other side of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And there was this guy, he was breaking into all the houses. It even had, it even had him. <laughs> it even had those scene like, oh, let's go get him. We gotta get this So guy. finally, right, we get the call and it's like, just the alarm just went off and it's yeah. a residential B&E uh -huh. on Bel Air Roadside, yeah, right? We and, looked at each other. And, I, and we're like, because this guy, we, we didn't like this guy because every time he broke into a house, we had to write. We had to write so many reports. And I'm like, we have to catch this guy because I'm tired of enough writing. Enough is enough. I'm tired. Right? Finally, the call comes out. And I'm like, H, I think this is him. Yeah. This is him. We get there to the house, the, the side of the window. 
is kicked in where the AC is, right? And um, he sees us and runs back, and I'm like, yeah. he's in there, he's in there! Because we saw him at the, as soon as we got there, we got out the patrol car, and we saw him at, like, he was about to walk out. And he had the face mask on, the hoodie. I said, yo, he's right there! So he jumped back inside. He closed the damn door like it's his house. Locks the shit, thank you, right? The nerve of you. And, uh, go ahead, Dre. Um, yeah, he did exactly that. So I'm like, so I, we can't go into the door because it was like double locked from the inside. It was weird. So I'm like, H, the only way I could go in there is uh, through the same window that he, he went in. The back window. So, right, yeah. the back window. So like on the back window, there's like a table. So I'm like, tactically, this doesn't make sense nah. because if he's standing at the top of the staircase and I slide in, he's I can't get to my gun. He's going to light his ass up right, right. in that window. So I'm like, I need more units. Units come. We get one specific officer who we all know. He gets there, and the guy, we love him to death. He puts, <laughs> this is how he's protecting me. <laughs> I'm he's like, just laying down with a gun like this. I'm like, put your gun up on that staircase. <laughs> he's like, yo, man, I had a long night. I'm like, yo. So Dre's feet is dangling out the back window. And our partner, we love him to death. He's an older guy. Not very tactful, but it's okay. We love him. So he's kind of dragging his ass, like, like, put your gun in that window. I'm trying to get in the window. If this guy comes out, I need you to, you know, protect me. So Dre... I'm like <laughs> sliding in on the table, All right. vest and belly on there. Trying to get you know through. What I'm and I'm like, put your gun up, put your gun up. Right? So I finally get in. I open the door for H. We're searching the whole house. By this time, there's other officers in there. Yeah. They're searching upstairs. Police, 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 yeah. police. We're searching the middle, you know, like. This is a three-story house. Yeah, the entry where the kitchen is. Living room, like, there's no I'm like, let's go downstairs. Yeah, basically. Let's go downstairs. Cobwebs everywhere. Yeah. You know, there's clothes being hung. There's a washing machine. And I'm like, where is this dude? I'm like, where is he? And he's, and a, big, he's a big, heavy set dude, too. Yeah. So I'm looking. I'm like, this doesn't look right. So I noticed that the washing machine was pushed up, away from the wall. And I see his feet like. <laughs> so I'm like, I get up, and I'm like, H. He's right I'm like, there. He's right there. And I'm like, you know, movie shit, right? No gifts, all that good stuff, right? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Two, H goes, man, get your big ass up. I'm like, yo, you just blew it. The dude gets up and he's like, yo, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he was compliant. I mean, you know. I want, yo, I wanted to drop the hammer. <laughs> I wanted to, mm. But he, he was like, man, like, get your big ass up. Like, he's right there, he's right there. I'm like, fine. Say, get your big ass up, man, let's go. <laughs> but you know, it, you know it, it wasn't about getting there, beating him up. No, for what? Right. right. It's a cat right. and mouse game. So we, you know, we do, we investigate, we hunt. We in hut mode. So when we found him, he complied. You know, place your hands behind his back, yeah. sat him down, and he was the guy. We connected him to like three or four burglaries, no, right? Like, Those in that no, area. like 32. Yeah, five. This guy was active and just robbing homes. But it, it's, it's, I love this job. I love everything about it. And uh, it's just, you know, part of the story. We got so many stories, it's insane. And that was all on patrol in the Northeast District. That's where we home and grown from the Northeast. Yeah, yep. This podcast is 
absolutely amazing. The reason why we say it's number one in the country, because nobody's saying what we're saying. Nobody's articulate enough to talk what we talk about. Our personalities make it so different and so real because that's how we are. We're real guys. Our circle we keep around us is real. And we have fun doing the job. You know, we lost a lot of loved ones. We lost a lot of uh, men and women on the job. And people don't know what it takes to do this at all. There's a lot of people that talk about it, never walked a day in a uniform ever. And I advise a lot of people, you know, go for a ride along, you know. You know, go, go to your local police department, do a citizen's academy, you know, just so you can get a better understanding. Take their shoot, don't shoot course, just to get a better understanding of what we go through. And it's just a little piece, because the ride along, you'll see it. That's paramount to people understanding what we go through. And um, that's why we feel this lane is untapped at all. And we're going to ride this to the wheels fall off, because we're here to let people know the real about police and why we are the peacemakers, why we do what we do, because we love it. We live it, we breathe it, and you know, not for nothing, it's us. I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. But besides that, and while we're real ones on a real ones topic, we got a real one in the house tonight, guys. We got a real one A yeah. real one in the house tonight. I think everybody knows him, everybody sees him. Um, He's so real that he came early just to meet everybody. Everybody. Like, come on. This, I love this man. This individual has been in the city since May. He's been meeting officers. He's been, like, in the trenches. Yeah. In the trenches with us. So, yeah, he's definitely a real one. And with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our guest, the highlight of the night, Mr. John Bernthal. You know, before, before we say anything, I just want to, um, you know, I don't have, uh, I don't have anything really, really, really planned. No, you're good, man. You see how he did that with one hand? Motherfucking strong as shit. <laughs> Show me that. Dude. Show me that. shit. <laughs> but look, I just, I, you, you know, uh, this past, uh, this, the, 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 these past few weeks, you know, you know, being here, uh, you, you know, I'm just, I'm so unbelievably grateful, uh, to you guys and, and, and to you and to this, uh, this community for, for welcoming me. Uh, I, I have such uh, awe and, and respect for what you do, uh, for the oath that you've taken, um, the oath of a peacemaker. Uh, at this time when, when, when I think it, you know, law enforcement is under so much scrutiny, um, you know, it's just been such a privilege and an honor to me to see, um, you know, to be rolling with you and see how community-minded you are, how you treat the community with respect, but you're ready, you stand ready to protect against anything. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm an incredibly uh, blessed person, and uh, I, I, I'm so grateful, starting where I started, being the dumb fuck, fuck up kid with no direction that I was, with a beaten up, ugly ass face with big old ears, and then being able to actually be on screen and doing this <laughs> shit that I do, it's crazy. So I'm very grateful to be doing this, but the best part about this is these adventures that I get to go on is sometimes um, I get to meet a, a community of people um, 
that I just have so much reverence and respect for. And, 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 and sometimes you get to meet people that are going to be uh, friends for life. And that's what I feel like here. So I'm just, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to all of you. And it's a real honor for me to be here uh, today. So I just want to say that. Yeah. Awesome. No, it's just the truth, man. Awesome. All right, Mr. Bernthal, my man. Oh, shit. Talking in front of a bunch of cops, my too. Man, come on now. You cooking, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right, so I'm curious. You're a real one. Mm. You already know how we operate. Mm. I'm curious. What did you, what piqued your interest about listening to our podcast? Experience breeds empathy. Mm. Experience, if you've actually been like you said, in the trenches with people, your heart will open to them. You'll see things from their point of view. You'll, you'll, you'll walk a little bit in their shoes. You'll be less judgmental. And, 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 and that is what this country is about. And unfortunately, I think we've confused right now uh, patriotism and masculinity and strength with just being rigid and unbending, saying my way is the right way. And to me, you know, being an American, being, being a... Uh, being a man, being a, being a real motherfucker is about being like, hey, this is what I believe, but I'm totally cool with walking into this room with somebody who thinks differently than me and sit down, have a beer with that person and talk about it. Absolutely. You ain't going to take nothing from me. You're going to hurt me. And like, I might learn something, you might learn something, and we might come up with something better when all this thing is done. But, but just standing rigid is not strong. It's weak and it reeks of fear. So when I heard this podcast, I was like, wow. Like, listen to who, not only listen to these experienced people, who have walked the walk, but look at who then they're giving the microphone to. Mm. And I was blown away. And I was just, I mean, man, Ty, you're old, man. I mean, he's a, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. Like, I'm not kidding, man. That shit, shit like, it, it blew me away. It had me. You say he's your best friend. I spent the whole day with my dad. I gave him that podcast. I was like, listen to this podcast, wow. man. And it would just... How much he loves you, the way he raised you. Look, I'm a, beyond anything else, I'm a dad, man. I love my babies more than anything in this world. And it's like, when I see that, I see, I, I, you could hear the pride, but the way that he raised you, that he didn't shelter you from things, he showed you shit, but he was right there with you. Like, I don't know, man. I think you guys are onto something so beautiful. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just honored you have my, you know, I, I, I put on makeup and say lines for a living, bro. It's like, yeah, man, like, <laughs> this shit's about to get super uninteresting. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nah, awesome, brother. I, I appreciate dope. that. That, that appreciate means everything. Just the truth. Let me ask you, what um, like what 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 put you on the path of acting? Oh man, <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know, look, I you know I I I grew up you know in the DMV. It was a crazy ass city when I was growing up, and and the city started to kind of leak into my sheltered sort of secure life, and I just had a nose for adventure. Big ass nose, as you can see. And I wound up just really getting in a lot of trouble. I mean, I was just like, I could not, I could not find my way through without just fucking up in, in, in really everything I did. I played sports, I played football, I played baseball, I boxed a little bit, like I, you know, but I, I'm never good enough to really do anything about it. And, uh, you know, I ended up um, going to college. A, a baseball coach uh, got me into this college because um, they needed a new catcher, and that's what I played. And um, my dumb ass, I, uh, you had to take an arts requirement. And, uh, you know, I heard from the other athletes that the class to take was intro 
to theater because you'd be like 200 people in a big ass theater and you could sit in the back, you could just look at girls, you know, you could, you, you know, back in the day I was kind of crazy, you could drop acid, do whatever the thing you gotta do. But like, I was crazy, I'll admit it, in front of cops, I'll just put it out there. But you know, like. Listen, everybody's I, got a pass. Hey man, you did, you, it is what it is. But you know, man, I, uh, uh, and I thought, okay, this is perfect, just watch movies and I, I, that's a class I can handle. And um, I ended up, because I even screwed that up, I ended up in intro to acting, mm. which was 10 people, theater people, in a, in a studio, and I walked in and all these fucking people were sitting on the floor. And I'm like, why are you gonna be sitting on the floor when there's some good ass chairs right there? Right. But these were, this was my first introduction <laughs> to like theater people, you know what I mean? And the first assignment uh, that we had to do for the class was, uh, it was like a, you had to bring in something that was really important to you and share it with the rest of the class. And, uh, you know, I remember um, the first girl she had, you remember that, any of y'all remember that band Blues Traveler? Yeah. She oh, had yeah, this, yeah. she had this, like, you know, the, the, the big dude with the harmonica and shit. So Doesn't she brought in this, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? I'm on it, bro. So you were, dude. Right, right. I appreciate you, man. You could do that shit, man. You, can you imagine his ass with the harmonica, you know what I mean? Why not, bro? Why not? Yeah. Right. Some big ass lungs over there. Straight up. Right. But anyway, she had a Blues Traveler CD, and she starts crying to the rest of the class about how her boyfriend had given her this Blue Shadler CD before he went away, you, you know, I think he, he was going in the military or something. But this, this girl is crying her eyes out. And I'm hmm. like, what is the problem? Right, like, why on? are you doing it? You know what I mean? And then the next person had like a, a corn cob pipe that her pawpaw gave her. And like, she starts telling this story and like being all emotional. And I'm like, why do these people, like going on for 10 minutes about hmm. this stuff that's important. They're like taking this game of show and tell so seriously. And it's like working its way. And I, I'm just like, I'm like, this really? is like, yeah, like this is the craziest <laughs> group of people I've ever seen. Right. And but slowly but surely it was working its way to me. Mm. And again, me being the, like, I didn't have anything, but I was going to baseball practice right afterwards. So I grabbed my catcher's glove and I launched into this story about how uh, my mom had given me that glove on her deathbed, right? And my mom's like alive and well in DC. She's like good, you know what I mean? But I'm like going in and then I got like super emotional about it. And I'm like, yeah, and then like me and my brother would just go play a game of catch. You know what I mean? Think about mom, you know what I mean? And I look around the room and like everyone is crying their eyes out and wow. I'm crying my eyes out. I'm like, yo! I'm like, no, 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 hey, hold up, man. I'm just doing this acting right. shit. Like this ain't, you know, whoa, whoa, you know, stop this, you know? And then this, this teacher, Alma, I got her uh, name tattooed right here, Alma Becker, you know? And she came up to me and she d dismissed the whole class and she said, you know, she, 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 she got my ass. She's like, you violated the sanctity of my studio. I was like, damn. I was like, okay. And she said, but she's like, but motherfucker, you have something. And she's like, I want you to audition for this play. So I auditioned for the play and I, 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 I did the play. And, and, and from that moment on, I, I, I had found, I connected with something higher. I knew why I was put on this earth. I, the, the, the same energy that on the street and in life was getting me into trouble, was getting me locked up, was getting me uh, uh, just, just kicked out of school or, or almost kicked out, whatever that was. I could tap into that on stage and I was making people feel. Mm. And you know, I wasn't able to finish school. And, you know, I just, again, the same shit. And um, 
This woman, Alma, you know, I went to her and I said, you know, I really want to be an actor. This is what I want to do. I know I want to do it. And to me, I didn't know it would be any different. Sorry, such a long ass answer, such a short ass no, question. But, but I said to Alma, I said to her, I said, you know, look, you know, I want to do this. And to me, I didn't think it would be any different than being a, a, a plumber or a, a doctor. Like, what are the steps that you have to take? Like, you know, what, like I, had no, I didn't know any actors. Right. And she was like, no, no, it don't work like that. Like, mm. there's not just like one path. But she said, look, if I were you, she said, the, the, the best theater school, in my opinion, in the world is in Moscow, Russia. And this is the late 90s. And she's like, I can get you, if you want to go over there, she's like, I can get you an audition for the Moscow Art Theater. And uh, they'd just gotten professional baseball in Russia. Um, and, 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 I, and I did it, man. And, and I think part of the reason why she sent me there is to get me away from all my knucklehead friends and all the trouble that I was in. But she also knew there was something about learning over there. And that, you know, man, I, I was there for two years in, in, in the late 90s in Moscow. Uh, man, that, that place was insane. I was going to add it. Was it was insane. But for me, there is no way I'd be able to do this if I didn't go there. And um, she saved my life. She ended up marrying my, my wife. She was a minister. She ended up marrying my wife and I. Um, you know, she passed when I was doing that movie, Fury. Uh, she got brain cancer way too early. Oh, wow. And, uh, Sorry, yeah. The, 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 yeah, may she rest in peace. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, that's, you, you know, you, you know, the one day that I took off from that movie was to fly back from, from England for her, for her funeral. But, you, you know, she, I think she knew there's something about uh, the, the, the Russian theater. And I could go on about the, 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 uh, Russia. I mean, I'll tell you whatever you want to know about Russia. But there's something about, you know, training there. You, you know, in America, a lot of the arts can be very coddling. Like, if you can't really play sports and your grades aren't that good, you can come to acting class and be a tree. And we're all good and we're all friendly. Like, that shit was <laughs> never going to work with me. But in Russia it is extraordinarily and extremely cutthroat. Like if you get into the school, it, 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 they see 10,000 kids, they take 100, and they cut the class in half every year. And if you get into that school, if you make it through, like you gotta, you, you're gonna work. But it's, it's, it's ballet and acrobatics and rhythm and, and, and speech and, and you know, the, the I, I don't know how much this will, will, will mean to y'all, but like if you get to that fourth year, those 10 kids, you do 10, there's a student theater right next to the Moscow Art Theater, and you do 10 plays all year long. Hmm. And each night you show up to the theater, you're told which of the, t when you arrive, they tell you which play you're gonna do, and they tell you which role you're gonna play, both male and female. Hmm. So you have all that, you can dance, you can fight, you can move, you can sing, you, you, you have all that shit. And there's a vitality to the theater there, because look, you know, my teachers all came up in communism. So, all theater was state run. So you, it, it, you couldn't just put on, you couldn't have mascot, this would be illegal. You couldn't do this. You couldn't have groups of people together. So there was one or two state run theaters and they would come and you had to do pro state plays. Mm. And once they started thinking, you know what man, this motherfucker, he's a, state th he's a state theater director. But you know what, I see something in what he's doing, I think it's anti-state. They would kill that motherfucker. They would go into their uh, Meyerhold, assassinated in his by the government, assassinated in his apartment. Motherfuckers were sent away because they their, their art was starting to be viewed as anti-state. So my teachers, you know, my teachers, they would put on plays in secret because if they put on they, in subway stations in abandoned buildings, they had all they had to do it. It was vital for them, and all the people that came to it, they were at risk of being arrested. You know, they, 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 they were at risk of being sent away, but they had to put on these plays. And those were the guys that I was learning from. So, so, so for me, that shit was like vital. Like if you're gonna get on stage, like that's, that's, that, that's some, 
you, you know, and, and I've always taken that to, to, to my work and I'm so indebted to, 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 to that place and to this woman and to that school for it because it's all, for me this thing has always been vital. It's been vital and, 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 and you gotta get it right. Wow, it's, it's like for the love of the art. Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, I just think that, like, you know, there's a there's a masculinity. I, 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 that's a fucked up word, but there, there there's 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 something about you, you you know being a being an actor in Russia. It's like, you know, like there's 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 statues of of playwrights and painters and poets in Moscow, and it's like a tough ass fucking thing to do. It's like it's not like America, you know what I mean? Like when I had to tell my you know my my wife is an angle. She's for uh, Kurt Angle, Mark Angle, you know, big wrestling fan. Like when I had to, you know, back in the day before I'd done shit, and I had to be like, yeah, I, I want to, you know, may I have your daughter's hand in marriage? He's like, ain't you an actor? Like, what, you prance around in tights and shit? Like, and that shit was like, and I get it. That's how I grew up. You know what I mean? But over there, it's something very different. And, uh, you know, and I just think that, 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 that there is a, you know, when you, when you talk about Russia, you know, there's a, there's a brutality and a beauty to that place, unlike any place I'd ever seen. You know, uh, I, um, I, I give you an example, you know, on um, my third day there, I couldn't speak the language at all. And, you know, it's a different alphabet, right? So you can't read the language. I couldn't speak the language. I knew nothing. And uh, the one thing they said is at that point, the Chechens had blown up a, a, a series of giant apartment buildings in Moscow, like weeks before I'd gotten there. So they, the, 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 the police there, there's the mayor's police and there's the state police. But the mayor's police, they, they make their money on what they can get from the citizens, right? And so... They were looking for Chechens always, and at this point, I had long hair and a long, long ass beard. And uh, you always had to have your papers on you. Always, they said, always take your papers. And on my third day in in, in Russia, it was my birthday, and uh, I lived in a place called Park Kultur, which is Gorky Park, which was a pretty shady part of Moscow. And uh, my translator, he came, he picked me up, he took me on the metro, a few stops this way, a few stops this way, we get to school, and I go, oh, fuck, me being the fuck up I am, I forgot my papers, right? Mm. And he's like, okay, we gotta go back. And I, and I said, come on, man, can we just go in? He said, no, they won't let you in, there's armed guards at the school, they ain't gonna let you in without your papers. He said, come on, we gotta go back. I said, look, I'm a grown-ass man, I'll go get my own papers, it's, it's all good. He said, no, 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 I said, yes, 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 I'm gonna go get them. So I get on the subway, I go two stops this way, three stops this way, I get off, man, I don't know where the fuck I am. <laughs> I start, like, I start asking people, hey, excuse me, like, Russians, if you, if you speak, like, even if they speak English, it's like, motherfucker, you don't have, there's no chance I'm going to speak English to your ass. Like, wow. you're in, like, you're like, the way we are about America, that's like, you're in Russia. Like, we, we you, like, no. So I'm just lost as hell. And I'm going around and I'm getting more and more panicked. It's my first day of school. It's my birthday. I'm fucking up. Everything's going bad. And then I finally find my way back to, the, to, to where I lived. I get my papers. I go back to school. By this point, it's already dark because it gets dark at like three. I miss my first day of school. I'm like, man, I had this. This amazing opportunity and I managed to fuck this up and I'm on the wrong side of the damn street and them streets <laughs> are like 16 lanes big so I gotta start crossing it's like Frogger I'm like dodging cars and no shit I'm like damn when I get to the other side boom AK-47 pointed at me these cops start me up because you're, you're supposed to cross under the damn street and I didn't really I didn't really I had no idea you know what I mean so they're like yelling at me and they're just being like this like so I had like 20 rubles, you know what I mean? So I gave them the money, they let me go, and I'm like, damn, I fucked up. And I saw those golden arches, and I was like, all right, I had some little birthday McDonald's, I'll do my thing, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do in that situation? So then I go back on my subway, I go a few stops this way, a few stops this way, I'm walking off Park Tour, and it's real quiet, this real dark, dark street in, 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 in Moscow, and I'm walking down the street, and all of a sudden, this, um, this uh, Mercedes, it, it pulls up right in front of me. And uh, these two dudes get out, and it's 
nobody else is on the street. These two dudes get out, they're wearing suits, and they open up the back door, and I see them reach in, and they grab this woman by her hair and, 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 and pull her out of the back seat. And I remember when she looked, she looked just like Nicole Kidman. She was like this beautiful redheaded woman. And she was, she was acting like she, wasn't, like she was completely limp. You know what I'm saying? She mm -hmm. was complete, she was dragged, but her eyes were open. And when they were dragging her out of the car, she wasn't fighting at all, but they dragged, but she wasn't letting them, she wasn't helping them get out. She, she, they were just dragging her out the car and she made eye contact with me. And I remember it was just me, they didn't see me, but she saw me, she's looking straight at me. And they drag her and there's the side of the building and they just start opening up this woman's head on the, the, the side of this, oh. but they just start slamming her head into the side of this building. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I like run at these dudes and I like grab one of them and I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you? Like I forget myself, you know, where right. I'm at. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing, man? And this dude, he, he pulled out a gun and he, he put it like right on my, my head like that. I've been there three days, right? Damn. And dudes like, dudes like go away like that in English. <laughs> And like, and look, no problem, no problem. I'm right. like, you, you, you know what I mean? You got to do it. And it's, I'm gone. And, and the thing was, is like, I knew in that instant, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in a different ass place. And, and I could just feel, look, I know all you guys have dealt with a real danger all the time. There was something about this dude. And I'd been in a, some things on, you know, in my life, I'd seen some things, but like, there's something about this guy where I knew my life, like he, he would take my life in and it, no problem. Like, I just felt it. It's just like, it, I was in his hands. He could do whatever he wanted to me. And I remember being like, damn, I ain't looking in Kansas no more. Dude. And I, 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 you know, but, but, but with that, I also say, you know, I saw such unbelievable beauty there. There's such a national pride in the arts. There's such a national pride in each other. There's such a, uh, you, you know, guys on the street that you meet, they know you know, all 150 members of the Moscow Art Theater. They know what ballet is playing at the Bolshoi. You go on the subways and people are reading Bulgakov and Tolstoy. They're not reading Us Weekly and like bullshit like that. Like there was, you, you have a conversation with somebody and they're gonna look you in the eye. You say, how you doing? They're gonna tell you how they do it. Like it is not rare for someone to cry in a first conversation. And you know, for me, you know, learning learning the arts there and in that environment where it was just so vital and heightened and people have been through so much, I'm super grateful for it. That was a phenomenal first day you had those. Dog. Three, three Dog. days at that. Did, did, yeah, straight up, man. Did you, did you at least get the McDonald's? I did, why well, eat the shit out of McDonald's? But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, straight up, straight damn. up. Jesus Christ. You didn't want to go home after that, bro? Yeah, nah, but see, that was the thing, because you know, back in the day, if you went to Russia, like, you didn't have a cell phone, you know, like, I didn't have an email account, you right. know what I mean? It's like, I wasn't calling it, it was like, you were just there, you know what I mean? There was not like, you, you know, not, that, that was what I was doing. I think that's all it took for me, and uh, gotta go home, man. <laughs> that's it? Nah, nah, yeah, nah, I'm not good. you, man. Nah, you would've taken care of them dudes. I was just like, <laughs> yo, you can do what you gotta do, man. So they smashed the lady up and you kept it moving, obviously. I walked away listening to it. Damn. Jeez. Jeez. That's crazy. But that's how they got down. So I just, you know, there were, it was uh, that, that. He must have knew you wasn't from there. Well, I'm talking in English. You right. know what I mean? And that's I, why I you think said, you just, that's go, why I said away. go away. In that, and, and that was the first dude that spoke English to me there. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what's what up. He said. Straight up. Right. I mean, he, you know, straight up. Wow. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. It's a crazy, it's crazy. world. Yeah. It's a crazy yeah, world. Man. Yeah, man. 
but to, but but yeah, man, you know the the uh, yo know, then 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 um, from there, you know that's that's really what I wanted to do. I really you, you know they train to be a stage actor. You know, that's really what I wanted to do. That's 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 still my love. That's still that's I call that the big boy stuff. You know, there's no hiding. There's no second takes. Right. Uh, I got I got I, I I got real reverence and respect for the that's stage. Awesome. Yeah. So moving forward, yes, sir. Like, what do you see yourself in the next 10, 15 years? What do you want? What do you want things to be at this level? You want to start doing your own thing, or how does the acting thing look for you? Uh, look, you know, uh, I'm producing a lot of my own stuff. Um, there's a, there's a story I've been working on for the last ten years um, uh, about a little community in Shreveport, Louisiana, called the Bottoms, which again started. That that story came to me. Started on a ride along. Started on a ride along with uh, Carl Townley, the the head of the Shreveport Narcotic Undercover Task Force. My he is my brother, man. Mm. He is my brother, and he told me a story, and I said, "Holy fuck, man! Holy fuck!" When he told me that story. At the same time, I was I was boxing in a gym in a place called Queensboro Shreveport. I was probably the only white fighter to ever go into this gym. And there was a lot of guys who were active gang guys who would hang out around the gym. Some guys were fighting at the gym. I asked them to tell me that same story. Had they ever heard of it? They told me a completely other side of that story. And for the last 10 years, I've gone to Shreveport over 100 times, man. These people, are on all, I've been in their jail cells. I've been on the streets. I've been in the police precinct. I've been at weddings. I've been at funerals. I've been with cats. You, you know, who have been in, uh, who have got out of life sentences at Angola, and I've been with them as they've lost their own children to, to, to the senselessness of gun violence themselves. It means so much to me in the fact that these folks have trusted on me on, on, on both sides of the law, uh, that, they've, that, that they've trusted me with it, and that we've, we've been able to tell this story together, and I ended up writing it myself with them, for them, by them, and uh, that's that's my heart. Like that, that that that's my heart. Awesome. Yeah, man. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Hey, John. Oh shit. Go, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fuck. You know what I mean? I got you. It is. I'm already nervous, right. man. Get that police shit down, man. Hey, John. Hey, John. Yeah. Is true love is true love the soul's recognition of its counterpoint in another? What'd you say? Is true love the soul's recognition of its counterpoint in another? What movie? Oof. Wedding crashes, bro. Come on, man. Like, I ain't good like Classic. that. Classic. I ain't good like that. Hey, ask Kay. Yeah, you remember my memory today? Remember my memory? I impressed you with that memory shit earlier. You know what I mean? You actually had a good memory earlier. Yeah, it was nice. actually good. My Little shit is boy. so fucked my head, man. I'm sorry. Ask me another. Give me another. I got you. Go. Do you have any questions for us? That's a movie line? No. no. <laughs> Yo, that shit was so well done. Man. Thanks, man. That shit was so I'm on well my acting shit. That's what I'm saying. Give me a script. <laughs> Not anything you curious about, you know, with us or just law enforcement itself, if you had any inquiries about it. Tell me about the next generation of officers. That's what I'm interested at because, you, you know, listen, hey, man, you I have, I, no, you know, man, because like, I'll tell you, man, like I, I, uh, he tried to start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know, I, I have um, look. I mean, we're all now kind of of a of a certain age, um, and I think there's a natural. I'm sure if we were to talk to to, to your pops, I'm sure he talk about his generation versus versus ours. Right. And um, you know, I you know, I have some dear, dear, dear friends. Officer Jerry Ballesteros, Bob Deemer, Newton Division, LAPD, Shoot Newton, they're my brothers. Um, they've said some very pointed things about the next generation of police officers. And I think with all the scrutiny right now of policing in this country, I, 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 I wanna know how you think they're gonna fare and, and, and um, what advice, tell me about the next generation of policing. Man. Yeah, it's, it's tough, it's tough. You know, what we do every day is not easy, and we could lose our life doing it. So I just want, you know, tell us what you want us to do so we can enforce it. Have our backs when we enforce, and stick with that. Because a lot of times, you know, politics is such a dirty game, and I don't like to play that game. I'm a black and white individual. And it's, it's tough because, you know, in this climate of policing, it's always been, depending on the call you get, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And even if you did the right thing, somebody will find a, a, a negative spin on that. And it's, it's, it's sad. And a lot, of, a lot of officers just, quite frankly, are leaving. I had a, uh, an officer said, what, a couple <clears throat> weeks ago, he said, fuck it, I'm going to trucking. And, you know, and that stems from leadership. Great leadership, your soldiers would do anything for you. Don't see him. In the Northeast, whatever he needed, he took care of us. He was the go-to. He had our backs for any and everything. He would bump heads with a major if the major got slick with him. And not just because he because. He demands respect, but we know if he trusts you, he knows you're going to do the right thing. So leadership goes a long way in this line of work. You know, have your officers back. You know, if, if an officer messes up, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you're at fault, whatever. You get suspended a couple of days, whatever. Own up to it and keep it moving. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's too much wishy-washy when, when, when we're trying to get out there and put our lives on the line and do the right thing. So just my biggest thing is have your officers back, you know, good or bad and different. If they mess up, it's okay. They get jammed up, okay. Get rid of that officer. If he's a bad apple, get his ass out of here. A lot of people don't have the right temperament to do this job. What do you think takes the right temperament to do this job? You have to be honest. Mm. You got to be okay to be nervous. Because you never know what's going to happen. Every officer's got a different temperament where one officer will be nervous and start stuttering, one officer will pull his weapon out that he don't need to pull his weapon out. That's why we gotta have, like all of our, all of our senior guys are leaving. We gotta be one of the, what, the youngest departments, the youngest departments in the country. And to go through what we go through daily and we still handle business accordingly. When, when, when you talked about like nervousness and temperament, mm -hmm. I'm wondering what you, your opinion on on, on, on fear. When I look at the videos that um, have been popping up all over the country, 
I see I see people who are acting out in fear. I see I see when mistakes are made, they're made by by, by fear. Mm -hmm. I think this is true in like any. I think it's true in 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 in, in any profession. What do you? What do you think? What 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 are, what are your guys' thoughts on on fear, fear and policing, how to handle fear, and so so fear to I mean fear is a something that cannot be corrected in the academy. Like you have it, everybody experiences. If we throw a snake in the middle of the room, half of us are gonna run, half of us are gonna pet the snake. See what I'm saying? Sure. So fear in police work is difficult because you don't know what you're scared of until you put it in that position. Mm -hmm. And now at that position, you're either going to go towards it, whatever that fear is, or you're going to retreat. And it's okay. As long as you let your friends know, listen, I, at the end of the day, this ain't something I could do. I'll do something else. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. See what I'm saying? But when, but when you make a mistake, right, that's where the problem is. And that's like, kind of like what H was talking about. Fear, like, my, my threat level is... I don't like snakes. But if, you hear, if I hear a gunshot right now, there's a couple of us, excuse me, a couple of us, that we're running, well, most of us, we're going to run towards that, where there's a lot of but civilians. But can I ask you something? Is the reason why, what, I, what, what I've seen just in this last, uh, you know, few weeks that, 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 that I've been here is, and I really believe in, in my heart, the reason why, look, we all know just, craziest motherfuckers who just want to be in the fight. We know that, right? right. And, and th that has its place. And, it, and if you don't believe that there are people out there that n need to be, you know, taken off the streets, it's just you haven't been out there, right? Like 100%. But what I've seen is a real care, a real care for the, for the community, for a real care for the, pe for, for, for the people here. Um, I've, I've talked to people and I've talked to, why did you do this? Why did you want to do this? I have people who have seen crime at an early age and, and been really, really drastically affected by it. People who really, really want to make a difference. But I, I think that the love for the community has to have some part of it too, right? Like that, the, you, that you really are trying to stand for something. The love for the community is greater than the fear. That's right. 100%. So that's why- And the love for really, each other. Absolutely. Oh, especially for each other. That's why you, you see officers and detectives that are willing to put their lives on the line for one another and for civilians. I think the next generation, back to the, uh, the question, the next generation, um, it could go either way, right? We're like, I feel like we're at the, uh, the fork on the road. I feel like certain politicians should just politic and let police work be done to police officers. Because they're not out here, they don't read the mannerisms, they don't know how the block moves, they don't know how a car that's dirty looks. See what I'm saying? So now you're putting policies in place, like a blanket policy, and it should only be for a certain amount of people. So like, if something happens, right, that's not the whole department, something negative. There's 99% of the department is doing what they're supposed to do, but that 1% is the one that's in the news. So that's gonna, that's gonna shy away a lot of good people towards the profession. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Because if you look around here, there's a lot of great, great detectives and officers that have done a lot that the news will never even hear about. Life-changing things, you know? A so lot of people don't know the feeling of taking a gun off somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know that feeling, don't you? You know that yeah. feeling, don't you? 
I know he definitely knows that feeling. You know that feeling. Those guys you back there, feeling. dude. Right there. So, if somebody has a gun on them, how do you think that's going to be nice and easy on retrieving that gun off of him? Right. There's a 50-50 chance you're going to get shot. Because if he wants to shoot you, he might try to shoot you. There's a 50-50 chance. A lot of that is on your temperament. How do you talk to somebody? If you're gun-ho and nervous, that's going to be a bad Straight situation. But if you talk to him directly in his eyes and he know you're not fucking around, everything's in conversation. Police work is 90% talking. Only that 10% where we have to get physical. AJB, not for nothing, those conversations where he's saying, this, the, the officers in this city encounter guns on a daily basis. And the way they approach it, that's why you don't hear about it in the news, because they didn't make a mistake. They say, yo, you don't really want to do that. You know, maybe there's a foot chase, they toss it, we search, we recover. That's one body that we saved. Because that gun was going to go do something, do something nasty. You see what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. So. But it's, you know, it's a tough gig, but, you know, if you do it for the right reasons, it's a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. No fear comes with it. You're going to be nervous. 100%. But you trust in your training. 100%. And you'll be fine. You'll make the right decisions. I know too many brothers out here. I know a brother that got shot that's here front and center in front of us. Still reports every day. Still reports every day Gladly. like it ain't nothing. Gladly. Right. Gladly. He's been hit. But uh, before we wrap it up, <laughs> JB. Yeah, what's up? What does a real one mean to you? I think somebody who, who walks the walk and just, doesn't, doesn't just talk about it. I think, uh, I think somebody who um, believes that you should be judged for the content of your character by the look in your eye, by your actions. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's uh, open to um, take deal constructive with criticism. Take constructive criticism. Uh, some somebody who can, who can deal with somebody who thinks differently than Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, some some somebody who's uh, down to stand up. For something even if it's not what everybody else believes in but it's what they know in their heart is right um yeah man perfect appreciate Let's you go. my brother i appreciate you we guys appreciate it. amazing yeah, yeah let's do this again some other time huh yeah for sure so with that being said ladies and gentlemen we appreciate john for coming out you are thank amazing you, my brother appreciate thank you, you so much everybody we love you thank you for coming out this was everything just your attendance made everything tonight. Absolutely. We just want the world to know that we're here to serve a purpose, and uh, we're having fun doing it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, bro. Yeah, that was super fun, man. Oh, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro.